You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth Living, OJ, Juice Man, This is strictly for them true fans, dog fans. Number one, of course, y'all. This ain't no ordinary sports talk. Welcome back to the Fish Tank, right here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. Seth Levitt with the man with the best hands in the podcast business, OJ McDuffie. Juice, how are you feeling today? I'm doing great, Big Seth. Now, about yourself? This is fantastic. We have had one active player after another. Two and a half years, we couldn't talk to a current guy. Correct. And now, all of a sudden, the floodgates are open. So, I am fired up to welcome Blake Ferguson into the tank, man. How you doing? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. Excited to have you Absolutely, here. Absolutely, man. It's yeah. always good to get the current guys on, man, because, you know, you get that current perspective on things. You know, the old guys seem like they're really, really grumpy a lot of times, Blake. Well, we're so, kind of grumpy old grumpy, guys, too. So, yeah. Grumpy, so, yeah. <laughs> hey, y'all look like y'all look like you could still play a little bit. So Ooh. He could play. I, I could know. still write I a press know. release. I was in the PR department. <laughs> I could write the hell out of a press release still. Hey, but, everybody's uh, everybody's an athlete in their own way, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we had Shannon Crowder on, and he tried to talk about the race car drivers weren't athletes. He sure as shit is not giving a PR guy yeah, the athlete. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, no chance. No chance. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Well, look, I, I'm fired up, man, for a lot of reasons and and to be honest with you i'm probably more fired up to talk podcasting with you than i am football but um we're gonna have to talk a little football and, and certainly want to get to know you a little bit more so we're gonna get to the podcasting stuff in a minute but uh look your story with you and your brother reed is just uh, i don't have to convince you it's why he started a podcast but it's really incredible to have two brothers to make it to the highest uh, level of the sport, playing the most unique position of the sport, where there's only one guy per team. I mean, it's an incredible story, and the fact you're in the same division, but it's also been documented, and you guys are doing a great job documenting. What I want to ask is, like, how did this happen? How did did your dad say, "I'm gonna I'm gonna groom the two greatest long snappers in history"? Like, how did you become long snapper extraordinaires? It's it's funny that you ask because it kind of happened by accident and. It kind of seems like everything happens by accident in the moment. But uh, my brother started snapping when he was in eighth grade. And the snapper at the time on his team uh, had gotten hurt, had like hurt his hand or something and couldn't do it. So they needed somebody to step up and fill that role. And and so Reed was like, oh, I'll do it. And he wasn't playing a whole lot on offense and defense at the time. So he was like, shoot, I, you know, I'll get on the field any way that I can. And so that's what he did. And so then he started doing it a couple of years later. He's getting some college looks. He's getting some scholarship offers. And, you know, I'm watching this all unfold. And so then I, I was like, shoot, you know, I'm not the biggest, fastest, strongest guy. You know, I'm not I'm not going to be the next Mike Gusecki because I'm just not I don't have that kind of skill set. And so uh, I was like, shoot, I'm going to I'm going to try my hand at long snapping. And so I did. And uh, it's been a cool journey to get to play at the highest level in college football and now playing on Sundays has been quite a blessing. It's incredible. That's I was like, I had to know, and we're going to talk later about your dad, who is my favorite character on your podcast. I just, just the stories you tell us. So we're going to talk about your, is your dad, big Kev. Is that who big Kev? Big Kev. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, I want to actually, talk about big Kev. he's actually, uh, he's actually going to be featured on the podcast tonight. We're, we're recording for, uh, for tomorrow's release, 
but uh, he'll he'll come on and do a beer review with us tonight. Well, I will I, I will be nice. listening. <laughs> I will definitely be be listening to the After the Snap podcast to hear Big Kev. You and your brother are cool, but I, I love the stories about your dad. But I was like, how does how does this happen that these two guys not only do it but do it so well? Did you have and you made the Mike Kosecki comment? Did you, what was what position did you play on your high school team beyond, you know, what was your more uh, primary position or did it just, did you just focus on long snapping and that's kind of what, where you, where, where you so live? my brother kind of was the trailblazer for us at our high school, obviously with long snapping, but he, so he played, he played a little bit of offensive line and also long snapped and um, his senior season, he ended up getting hurt. He ended up hurting his hand pretty badly. And that was the time, that was the moment where I was like, oh crap, like I, like I need to just do this long snapping thing because we had a really good high school football team and they didn't need me to long, they didn't need me to do anything beyond long snapping. And so I told, I had a talk with the coach and I was like, Hey, look, like I don't want to jeopardize a potential career at the next level by, you know, playing something beyond long snapping when I'm, when it's not necessary you know, it's not necessary. And so he was super cool about it. We had our, our roster was big enough to where we didn't need me playing both sides of the ball on offense and defense plus long snapping. And that's kind of unheard of, you know, in, in the history, in the history of football, you know, you high school football players, you're playing both, at least both sides of the ball, just, right. you know, um, unless you're a quarterback, but uh, my coach was, he was super cool about it. And, and I was the only long snapper on the team that like actually knew how to do it. And so, you know, he didn't want to, he didn't want to potentially jeopardize me getting hurt, and him not having somebody that could do it as well. So that's kind of how it worked out. And, you know, it's, um, it's kind of unorthodox, but it worked out for us. It's so funny. You say that about in high school, you started doing this because when I was in high school, we actually went for two all the time. You know, we, we always went for it on fourth down because our long snapper was terrible. <laughs> We had no chance of getting a field goal off. Our kickers were terrible. It was just special teams was an afterthought, man. So that's you had that. You were focused on that early, man. So we should have we should have called the Fergusons up, man, and got some 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 kickers, some some long snappers out there for us. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of cool what it's turned into, but we've you know just been encouraging and and helping the youngsters coming after us because uh, there's a lot of folks at our school and at other schools that look up to us and and really want to learn from us, which is it, it really is cool to be able to have that kind of impact that is awesome man you know you talked about your brother a little bit you know we Seth always does such great research for us you know Raekwon and, uh, wasn't yeah. really that. <laughs> <laughs> and he also said that you know you guys were on with Travis Wingfield and he said that you guys usually you go opposite of what your brother thinks in terms of different things you know going the opposite direction but in this case you follow his footsteps at LSU you know, so talk about that decision-making process and were there any other schools that made that a tough decision for you going to LSU? The college recruiting process was, it, well, for long snappers, it's it's just, it's very weird because you kind of have to recruit yourself. You have to get the exposure yourself and you have to send your film out to the coaches and you have to, you know, they're not coming to knock on, you know, knock on your door and say, hey, we want you to play it, you know, we want you to play it at Alabama or LSU or you know, the big time schools. So uh, fortunately, I was able to go to some of the long snapping, national long snapping camps hosted by Chris Rubio, who's kind of known as the guru for long snapping. And that's kind of how I got my exposure. Uh, but I, so I, I started going to the LSU games with my brother uh, for obvious reasons. And when I was going down on those trips, 
I began to fall in love with LSU and, you know, coach miles, who was the head coach at the time was like, man, we're going to, you know, we got your brother here and we're going to, we're going to recruit you too, because we, we like what you, what you bring to the table. And, um, we like the DNA of your family. And so, you know, sure enough, they started recruiting me and I began to, you know, compare everywhere else that I went on recruiting trips back to LSU. And so that was when I knew, okay, I needed to make the decision to go to LSU because if I'm comparing everywhere else back, that's when I know it's, you know, it's the standard. And so uh, it was cool because I got to spend a year with my brother and, and red shirt under him for a year. So we got to experience that together, which is the first time we'd ever been on a team together uh, in our lives. We never were on the same team in high school. I was always on the, or no, I was on the freshman team and then he was on the varsity team. And so we never were on the same team together because of our age difference. Uh, but it, it worked out for me to redshirt under him for a year. And that was really special. That's cool right there. It's very cool. That's cool right there. Well, so what, when you were comparing, and I don't, if you don't want to get into it, I respect that, but you said you were comparing everything to LSU and these other schools at that point, the standard was set. What are some of the other schools? Were there, were there any schools that made it a little tough on you? So I, I looked at, I looked at Alabama and Tennessee. And I went out to, I went out to Oregon on a trip, which was really, really cool. But with long snappers, it's all about timing. They're not going to offer a long snapper every year like they do in, you know, with quarterbacks or with receivers or whatever. So uh, the, the scholarship offers were limited. And so it kind of is about where the opportunity is. So that number dwindles down pretty quick. But um, the Oregon trip was really cool, but the timing just didn't work out. They needed a guy a year before I was going to be able to come out. But I would say the timing did work out. Like I would say the timing worked out really well for you when you look at the result. Right. It definitely <laughs> did. It definitely did. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything in the world to be able to finish it with a national championship and uh, to roll right into my rookie season in the NFL. It's been, it's been quite a journey. Well, you can tell he's doing this because what you just said is the segue I have written in my notes. So that was absolutely perfect. And if you listen to the After the Snap podcast, I think it's the first episode you, you and your brother both talk about that journey. And two things really stuck out to me there. Two things jumped out. Um, the first one was, and I love this juice. You know, I like a guy who's got a little shit to him and he, you know, this is a long snapper. So it's hard to find that sometimes, but he said they went through the draft process and Blake said he knew the highest drafted long snapper in the history of the draft. And he wanted to be drafted at least one spot ahead of him. And, and while it didn't work out, the idea that that was where your mindset was, I, I, I mean, that spoke to me. I was like, all right, I like a guy who likes to compete. And I know right. you do. Right. Always, always. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what that was, was that number? You'd have it in your head. That was kind of um, that that I guess winning sort of championship mindset was instilled in me from a very young age. Uh, just with my dad pushing both my brother and I to be the best at whatever we do. It didn't matter whether we were, you know, playing sports, whether we were playing an instrument. We wanted to be the best at whatever it was, and that's you know that's why we went to the high school that we went to because you know, they had a tradition of winning championships and that's why we went to LSU because they had a tradition of winning and, and excellence. And so that's something that I've tried to reflect in my career. And, you know, as I was approaching the NFL transition, I wanted to be the highest long snapper ever drafted. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for the picks the right, you know, for me to be higher than 166, I think was the highest ever but i'm fortunate that the dolphins came along and and picked me up shortly thereafter and 
you know, again, I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. And I'm, I'm fired up to be in South Florida. We're fired up to have you. Yeah. And it's a great story, but the better story to me, the one I was like, I cannot wait to ask you about this is this whiteboard. So, and I, you know, and that's where we talked about big Kev and your dad. So juice, we, we all hear about the war room and we know what the, you know, and, and when I worked in, 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 for the dolphins, you know, I wouldn't even walk to that side of the building during draft time. And, you know, they had the curtains drawn and but I had never heard of a player that had their own draft board. And so the Ferguson household had, you know, I guess your dad, Big Kev brings out a yeah. whiteboard and they literally yeah. rank all 32 teams in the order that, that they, they think, think is the best, best opportunity that they, they had to be drafted. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you said that you had two whiteboards? Yeah. So the way that we did it was with one whiteboard, we had from one to 32 ranked with the best opportunity for me. We actually did a... In the pre-draft process, we actually put together like a matrix of all of the different like deciding factors for if, okay, Blake doesn't get drafted, teams start calling shortly after the draft is over, what's going to be the easiest way to make a decision? And that's, that's by ranking 1 to 32. So if, you know, one team comes along and they're ranked number two and the other team comes along and they're ranked number 18, I can quickly make that decision and say, okay, I'm going to sign with, you know, whoever. And so that was one to 32 was what we had on, on one whiteboard. And on the other whiteboard was, it was a bigger whiteboard. We, we listed out all of the picks from rounds five, six, and seven for day three. I guess maybe it, is day three, four, five, six, and seven. I believe five, so. Six, I think yeah. the first round yeah. is day four, one, five, and six, two, and seven. Three. Yeah. And um, we knew it was kind of, we knew it would have been a stretch for fourth round, but we put fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, and seventh round, every single pick throughout the rest of the draft. And um, so that way we could kind of make a little star by the upcoming picks that, you know, might be an opportunity for a, for one of the top teams on my rankings. And so, yeah, that's kind of how we did it. And, and it was a lot of preparation. It, it really was a lot of research that went into it. And uh, my brother helped me a lot in that pre-draft process because he's been through it before. He did the exact same thing when he was coming through and it was, you know, a tried and true, tried and true way to do it. And, you know, fortunately for me, I didn't have to get to the point where I needed the rankings because Miami came along and, and, and gave me the call. That, white boy, he didn't need he that. They gave me the call. Exactly. They gave me the call that changed the rest of my life. <clears throat> but here's what's so great about it, dude. It's, it's the Dolphins were na number three on your board. Yeah, yeah, like they were. Somebody in that family high. needs to be working in the scouting department. Right. And uh, it, it's funny because because my brother actually he was I, I actually had Miami lower. You know, we had we had had Miami lower on the rankings, uh, maybe like eight or so. And Reed was like, "You need to have Miami higher." He was like, "There." He was like, "I just have this weird feeling that they're going to come along and, and grab you." And sure enough, he was right. So uh, I'm glad the way that it worked out because I've thoroughly enjoyed my time in South Florida so far and looking forward for more. You're, you're just getting started, man. <laughs> but this damn board. So like who's and obviously it went back to your dad, to your brother's draft process. Whose idea was it? Was it your brother? Who start or was it was it Big Kev? I think it was probably Big Kev. I think Big <laughs> Kev. I think Big Kev was the one that was like, OK, what's the. He, so my dad works in, in business operations. So he's always looking for the, the most efficient, you know, smartest, most unique way to make things happen. And, and so that was, I think, his idea to do the, to do the matrix and the whiteboard. I friggin' love it. It's phenomenal. It's my, it was like my favorite thing when I heard it. I was like, I got to talk about this. So that's great.
So, Blake, you arrived in 2020, you know, it's one season after John Denny ends his 14-year tenure here at the Miami Dolphins as, you know, one of the best in the league. Now, do you know John at all? I, I figure, like, you I've not met John. Probably... I've, I've heard great things about John, but I, I've not met him yet. I, I would like to at some point to kind of pick his brain on some things. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a fraternity kind of exclusive club. Now, I wanted to ask you real quick. Now, when you were in those long snapping camps, are those are field goal kicker and, and punter camps as well? Who, who runs that? I, I can't remember. They are, they are. So Chris Rubio, who I mentioned earlier, he's the long snapping coach. And then he works closely with Chris Saylor, who is the kicking coach. And they, they do kicking and punting on that side. But they work. They have a business that they run together. Yeah, so we're talking about the the, the long snapper fraternity and how well, how well you guys know it. Now, John Denny, I think his brother was a long snapper as well, correct? He wasn't a long snapper, but he played for Play, oh, Buffalo Bills. I don't yes, know. he did. I've actually <laughs> I've heard some stories about him. I, I don't know much about him, but I, I do know that he played for the Bills because they had that they had that same AFC East rivalry like my brother and I do. Yeah, we I think we had the upper hand for a little while. I think your brother's got it right now. Just for now, Reed. You only got it for now, right, Blake? That's it. Only little upper hand right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not letting us have that one. <laughs> Don't you forget it. <laughs> Too in, funny. In fact, the guy I played with back in 1995, Ethan Albright, he actually went from here and was with Buffalo Bills for a long time as a long snapper as well. So, like you're not going there. Reed's already there. We don't need you to go there. But you know, it's a kind of like a, a history. It seems like with it's long a weird connection and, between yeah, our long snapper connection. and that team. Yeah, it's it is strange. It's strange the way that it's worked out. <laughs> I don't Good know who stuff. set it up. That's probably why your brother told you to put Miami higher he, on the whiteboard. He wanted you in our division. He knew about he knew that voodoo, whatever that is. Yeah, exactly. He was he was hoping that we would get that interdivision rivalry. That's what's up, man. It's there. Good it's stuff. there. Good stuff. <laughs> so I, I've been thinking about this a lot, and um, I was thinking about it, the fact that you guys have a podcast, that we were going to do this, and I love that you're coming to the forefront because Long Snapper is, to my, in my opinion, Juice – now, I'll see what you think as a receiver, you know, those guys who uh, get all the pretty, you know, all the, all the equipment and Don't all that other him, stuff. Blake. Don't listen to him, Blake. The long snapper is the most underappreciated position in the entire sport. Like, you do not talk about the long snapper unless he fucks up. Like, that's it. It's the only time you don't ever, we get a game winning kick, right? We just had an all pro kicker, right? And celebrate him and, and renew his contract and we should do all those things. But no one says, hey, good snap. You know, that was yeah. great. Yeah. He wouldn't have made that kick. Now, if the holder has to go jump and grab it, and we talk about how great that was of a play that he had to make this great, or he spun it and we got the laces and what a great play. When do we ever say great snap? When is it said? On a punt. We get a 60-something yard punt. When did we ever get – when you walk off on the sideline, does somebody say, hey, that was a hell of a snap? Does somebody at least smack you on the ass and say great job? Usually it's my kicker and my punter. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> It's the most underappreciated position. Yeah, it's the only two guys that, that really pay attention besides my mom and dad waving from the stand. <laughs> what gives, man? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's uh, it's one of those one of those positions that coming into it, you know, you 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 kind of fly under the radar and you kind of take pride in that. That you kind of have this sniper mentality that you know you want to be you want to be you don't want to be seen. You want to do your job and do it effectively, and uh, you kind of have this one shot to make the snap mentality and. So that's that's kind of how it's you, you have to approach it and and know that, you know, it's kind of this un, unsung hero that if you do your job correctly, nobody will ever hear about you. And so, you know, I, I kind of take pride in that. 
I guess we take pride in that. As you should. Um, we. Yeah, as, as I, I love it. <laughs> as you should. Yeah, maybe that's why Blake is a lot more visible than, than most long snappers are, Big Seth. It could be. You know what I mean? He's not, the, he's not your typical long snapper. You know, I came from an era where guys that were long snappers, they, you know, they were hiding over here in the corner, then they'd be called in, and, you know, then they do what they do, and they go back to their corner. Go back you know? and hide? <laughs> exactly. I prefer, to be known for, I prefer to be known for the stuff that I do off the field and yeah. in the community and, and – Hopefully making a positive impact, more so than uh, being known for what I do on the field. <laughs> well, especially yeah. the way they talk about your position. Yeah, you definitely exactly. want to be known for that. Exactly. You know, you know, he's also, you know, he's so great with the media, you know, and, you know, very active on social media, which, which I love. That, that, that current player and the social media thing, and that's I, – I love that part about it, man. Uh, and, and not drawing crazy attention to you, but, you know, we understand why you're so popular in, in what you do. As a matter of fact, I was – it, tell me about this a little bit, Blake. The, the, the position of long snappers becomes such a um, specialty, especially on extra point and field goal. You actually have the ball where the holder really doesn't have, doesn't have to do much at all anymore, right? You've got it set where it's, you pretty much already have laces out. All he's got to do is grab it and set it, right? Exactly. That's the goal. And uh, obviously that, that doesn't happen 100% of the time, but I try to make it at least 90% of the time that he, all he's got to do is catch the ball and, and put it on a spot so that there's the, the fewer factors, uh, the better. Because, you know, I've, I've been doing it for so long that I'm able to, I know how many rotations the ball is going to have by the time it gets to the holder. And so based on that, I know, I know how to grab the football because I don't grab the laces on the ball so that I can, based on my rotations, I can get the ball to the holder with the laces pointing back at me. And then Jason can come along and boot it right through the uprights. And, you know, he can, he can be the all pro. That is fucking all. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Wow, what a great kid. Exactly. Dang. Exactly. If he keeps making kicks, he, if he keeps making kicks, then I'll, you know, continue to have my job because he'll well, that's like a fair it. point. That is a fair <laughs> oh, point. Oh, man, I love that. I love that, man. Oh, man. So, so your approach, you know, like we talked about, you're very active on social media. And from what we understand, you're a big TikTok guy, right? <laughs> I mean, Big Seth mentioned earlier, I mean, you now are a podcaster as well. Talk about your love of creating content. That's got to be, that's got to be a yeah. lot of fun. It's um, it's funny because my mom and dad will tell you that I, I was always the entertainer of the family. I was always putting on a putting on a music show in the in the living room or something. I was always the one with the with the uh, the magic wand and the magician's hat and and all that, just being an entertainer. And and, and so I, I try to take the time that I have off the field to create content and and put out content that you know I can I can control what I put out and I can uh, hopefully make people see me in a positive light me and my, my brother both through our podcast but TikTok has been kind of an interesting journey because I never intended for my TikTok you know following to be what it has become because I never intended to actually create TikToks in the first place I started I start I downloaded the app just to start watching funny videos because I had I had nothing else to do uh, during the pandemic and so uh, and so I downloaded it and I was like I, I was seeing guys like Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool and Isaac Rochelle some of the guys across the league that have grown a pretty big following on TikTok just being themselves and so I was like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna make a couple of videos showing what I do in my life as a as an NFL player and you know I, I can just be myself on that app and you know people are, are somewhat drawn to that you know, whatever it, whatever it becomes is, you know, what it'll be. But, you know, for now, I'm just, 
having fun being myself on, on social media. So that bleeds perfectly into what I want to ask you. And it's what I've been waiting for. And it's, it's the podcast. I think, you know, look, if you haven't subscribed already, Juice, you know, okay. and anybody who's listening, make sure you subscribe to the After the Snap podcast. It's on all the platforms, right? I listen to it on Apple. I, I imagine it's on Spotify, everything. So make sure you subscribe. Give that rating. As podcasters, you know, we need our five-star ratings and all of those things. And I don't even want to get into the why you started a podcast because I think they should listen to that on your show. But I want to ask you, what have you enjoyed about the process the most? Yeah. It's been fun to kind of learn how the podcasting thing goes because as you guys know, it's, it's a lot harder work than people realize. It's, oh, yeah. There's a lot of research that goes into it and a lot of different just production uh, responsibilities that you don't realize exist before you start doing it. And uh, we're fortunate to have our producer, Chris, who, you know, makes us sound a lot better than we, than we are, but you know, he, he puts it all together for us in a, puts a bow on top and I, and you know, we put it out to the different, you know, Spotify and, and Apple music and all that, but, or Apple podcasts. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I just try to, I just try to be myself and, and Reed does the same thing. And, and, uh, people really enjoy the kind of back and forth between us, the, the sort of friendly banter that we have. And so, we try to play to that as much as we can. Yeah, I was talking yeah. to Travis on the way over here a little bit, and there's a certain intimacy when you're listening to a podcast. You feel more connected to the show than if you're watching something on TV or what have you. So I don't know if you're finding – I mean, I'm sure people come up to you and, hey, we love you, you're a dolphin and so on, but are you getting different types of responses from folks now that they are connected to the show? It's funny. I um, So not necessarily the podcast, but I've actually had – some folks recognize me as the TikTok guy. And yeah. I love that. I, um, I was TikTok actually guy. at, I was at the Chick-fil-A. I was at one of the Chick-fil-A's down in uh, South Florida and I uh, was going through the drive through and I rolled down my window and the girl that was taking my order was like, Hey, she was like, are you the TikTok guy? Oh, and I, was wow. like, I was like, I, I was like, that's me, you know, not the, not the Miami Dolphins player. I'm the, the TikTok guy. <laughs> right. Right. So that hilarious. was, that was kind of funny, but maybe the podcasting career will, will turn into that once, once my football career is, is done. So we'll see how that goes. And we'll see 20 years later, we'll 20 years from now, we'll revisit this. How about that? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly. You know, knock on wood, but I was going to say that's, that's where you get back at. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Don't talk about me. But then 18 years from now, you'll be talking about me as the old guy in the room, which is, which is not a bad deal. But that, so that, no, that's super cool. It, it's definitely, you got to listen to it, Juice. I think it's really cool how they decided to get into the podcasting space. And even the connection to your producer, the, the connection that your brother had, the longtime connection there is really cool. So, um, yeah, we, I knew nothing about podcasting. I had a friend who, who told me for about five years, I should listen to this podcast, listen to that. And I just couldn't consume anything else <laughs> in my life. I, you know, I've already, you know, binge watching everything on Netflix and I can't pass Redbox without putting money in the damn machine, even though I don't need, I'm playing five and however many hundreds of dollars for all the yeah, and then I'm going to go yeah. rent another movie but uh I finally got into it and and it's this whole other world and and it really is um how much we've learned about it yeah. and even you and I talking about Zencaster versus Zoom beforehand so are you just kind of, has it just exposed you to this whole other space it has and it it's funny because I was listening to I was listening back to our podcast maybe 2 weeks ago just because I like listening to it after the fact, once it's on, I, I, I consume my, 
my content through Spotify and, and I was, so I was listening to it on Spotify and I, I found that I had accidentally pressed the like two times button to where it makes your, <laughs> it makes your, the voice sound like yeah. twice as I don't fast know people as it that. is because people, people want their content so fast and, and in such a short amount of time that they will actually speed up your voice so that they can listen to you talk faster so yep. that they can get the information to them quicker. And, and listen to more episodes. Because, it's funny because I had actually, you know, I had pressed the button on accident and I was listening to it on an airplane and I texted my brother when I, when I landed and I was like, Hey, did, I was like, did producer Chris like mess up our, I was like, go listen to the podcast. I was like, go listen to the podcast and see if my phone is messing up. And he was like, he was like, look in the bottom left of your screen. Does it say two times or 1.5 times? And I was like, Blake, big brother. I love it. Big brother. Was there to I didn't even know that day. was a thing. Like I didn't, I've been exposed to all these new ways that people consume content through podcasts. And it's just crazy. I can't handle it. Yeah, I, have you tried it? Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah, people yeah, want to listen to all this stuff. I, I, I can't hit like it drives me nuts. I can't hit speed. I've listened to us a couple of times on two times and you sound really funny. <laughs> it, it's weird. I can't <laughs> listen to me at any speed at any speed. Or do you just speed it up when I'm talking and slow it back down when you're talking? Time, That's man. probably what it is. You know, you talked a little bit about in high school, you know, how you were playing, you know, different positions, but you settled on being a long snapper, you know, to, you know, basically for a career move. But word on the street, though, Blake, is that you're a pretty good basketball player as well, man. Is that, you know, and that's a popular topic on our show. But we used to, oh, yeah. we used to hold a, at my house, I still have a full court basketball court. We used to have a lot of players over, you know, and instead of playing out, you know, in a rec league or something like that, we play against each other. Kind of safer, you know, guys are going to give guys layups and stuff like that. But we have this segment called Explain Yourself. So what we want you to do is explain your hoop game to us, your strengths, your weaknesses. You know, tell us about your hoop game a little bit. So I grew up playing basketball, uh, actually, before I ever started playing football. And I was always the one. So my dad's pretty tall. Uh, I was always the one that was the tall kid in school. And so I was always playing the four or the five. And I was down, you know, working the paint. And so that's what I enjoyed doing. I enjoyed being being dominant in basketball. And so I was taller than a lot of my people that I was playing against. And so, you know, they'd pass me the ball and I'd I'd give a little give a little up and under try to work some footwork moves. But when you're when you're seven, eight, nine years old, you're not really moving much. You're not really you're not really faking out. You're not really faking out many people. You're just you think you are. But, you know, you don't. Everybody thinks they're Kevin Garnett until until they actually watch it back and they're not. So I, I, I kept playing through like eighth grade. And that was the kind of the time where I had like most of the people who were also playing basketball had had sort of caught up to me. And I was I now all of a sudden was not, you know, four inches taller than everybody. They had they were able to hold their own in the pain again. And so I realized that that football was the was the path that I was going to take. And so I, I sort of went that direction. But I guess if I, you know, I, I, I still enjoy playing. I don't run, I don't run five on five anymore and, and, and play, play that way, but I like to shoot around in the driveway or whatever. And that that's always fun to me. But the last thing I want to do is, is turn an ankle or mess up a knee, just screwing around mm-hmm. on the basketball court. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. I was wondering if you got out there with any of the current guys, and if there's any current guys you thought had game or there's a lot of guys that think they have game that don't really have game, you know? Yeah. When I, um, when I saw the video of Patrick Mahomes playing basketball like two or so years ago and they, 
they made a big fuss about him playing. I was like, I, I thought about it. I was like, man, you know, I was like, that's a good point. Like you could really hurt yourself playing basketball and ruin your chances at a long football career. And so I, uh, <laughs> I, I hung up the basketball sneakers and, and decided that that was probably something I should, should stay away from. But I, I really did enjoy playing basketball growing up. And I still enjoy like, uh, you know, shooting around in the playing, playing a little horse or knockout at, you know, at the gym. <laughs> It, it's crazy, Juice, when we think about the games. And I'm telling you, Blake, like some of the top players on our team, Zach, Jason Taylor, all these guys would come out and play on OJ's court, and it they would go hard. Yeah. It was it, – the games were – Probably epic. wasn't the wisest thing, huh? No, nah, but it was fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, and it was some great basketball. It was some great basketball. Well, if he hasn't seen anybody play, but if you had to so, – so you did the whiteboard. You know, we know that you guys know how to scout – if you had to pick a starting five, if you're playing GM, who would be the five guys sight unseen on the current roster that you on the that current you would roster start on your squad? I gotta put Raekwon at the five. That's an easy. <laughs> that's an easy decision. Control the Absolutely. Raekwon's at the five because I know that he's gonna be Charles Barkley in the paint, just throwing elbows and and just making people mad. Love it. And. um at the four, I'm probably gonna go. I don't know how. I don't know how good Mike is at at playing at playing basketball, but I'd like to think that he could probably play a little bit. Mike's won dunk contests. I saw Maybe those high school he's got some incredible highlights. Does he? Okay. Yeah. Well then, so so Mike Mike at the four. Uh, you know, oh. maybe give him a little give him a little Dirk Nowitzki little fadeaway at the elbow at the three. Hmm, probably. Probably go Vante. I've heard Vante's quite the uh, quite the hooper. Uh, I've actually had people from Baton Rouge. One of my friends in Baton Rouge who knew me through another guy. He hit me up and was like, "Hey, I just played with Devonte. Par- played basketball with Devonte Parker today." He was like, "He's really good." <laughs> yeah. And so I uh, I'll put Devonte at the three, um, two. Hmm. Now we did see some David Howard clips late uh, a few weeks ago. I guess he plays in a little rec league. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, I was gonna. Like I was actually game. gonna say. I was actually gonna say Byron because I know he can jump. Oh yeah. I don't know how good his shot is, but but Byron's. I mean, I've seen the videos of him from the combine way back when, where he was jumping out of the gym. So so either we'll go either Byron or, or X. Okay. Uh, one of those two can be the sixth man as well, and then point guard. We'll. Uh, yeah, put yourself on the squad at some point here, Blake. What are, what are you going to be on the squad? He's the GM. Okay. He's the GM. I'll fill up water cups or something. <laughs> I'll fill up water cups. Or, or I'll be the coach. I don't know. I'll draw up plays on my little whiteboard. I love it. Uh, there it is. I'm, since I'm whiteboard notorious. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So who's who's running point? At one, who's going to run point? Let's hmm. see. Um, Got to be uh, – let's put, let's put Will Fuller at the point. Okay. Will Fuller – yeah, let's go Will Fuller at the point. I, uh, I I have never seen him play basketball. I've never heard of him playing basketball, but I'd like to think he could be a. I like to think he could be a good shooter. Good looking squad. Distribute the ball. Distribute. Yeah, the well, ball that's well. the thing. Is he willing yeah. to give up yeah. the rock? You know, so yeah. that's that's the big question. Yeah. But, you know, we're gonna trust I, your judgment. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know many of the guys you know on the team that play basketball, but. Vante and Vante and Raekwon could probably carry the team themselves. Yeah. Well, and my, I, I think you're pretty good here. I think this squad is formidable. Yeah. Without ever right. seeing them. Good I squad. just think, you you know, I, I, I think I'm impressed. I am impressed. It's a pretty tall squad too. A pretty big, a lot of height. Body squad. 
a lot of athleticism on this squad, yeah. for sure. I think that alone, you know, and some competitiveness. I like it. So, look, I'm not sure why in the uh, in, in the the list here we saved this for last, but um, or I saved it for last. But I want to ask you about your journey as a type one diabetic. Uh, you know, uh, you talked earlier about you want to be known for the work you're doing in the community. And just in a short period of time, you've done incredible work with the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Uh, heard you talk about that a lot. But I, I kind of want to hear about your journey. I want to know, you know, as athletic, uh, as, as, you know, for you to participate in all these sports yeah. and to do all these activities, but to also, uh, you know, have that as a part of your life. I'd love to hear how that impacted you and, and had to shape the way you approached life. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely one of the one of the things that I think about when you know a lot of athletes write down their their why. Why do you play the game? Why do you, you know, continue to set goals for yourself? Why do you do this? And obviously, my faith and my family are are a big part of that. But also, being a type one diabetic, I know that I have a platform to affect change in a positive way for people who were in the same boat that I was, and when I was diagnosed in eighth grade back in 2011, I had a couple of athletes that had reached out to me and encouraged me to just keep the mindset of, you know, there's nothing about type one diabetes that can hold you back from achieving anything that you want to achieve in life. And that hit home for me because I, my mom, she loves the story of when we were going, when literally when we were driving to the hospital from the doctor's office, when they said, I think you're, I think you're a diabetic based on your blood sugar readings. I was in the car and I was, I was looking on my phone at, uh, athletes, professional athletes with type one diabetes, because I wanted the reassurance that I would still be able to play professional football with this disease that I had been diagnosed with. And so I had the main guy that I spoke, that I spoke with a lot. His name is Brad Suttle. And he was a, he was in the farm system for the Yankees and he was in their triple A, he was on their triple A team. And I was actually put in contact with him through my uncle who lived in Tampa at the time, which is where their the Yankees triple uh, A team is and where they do spring training. And so they knew each other. And so he talked with me quite a bit about just, you know, if you want to be a professional athlete, you can do that despite, you know, what your body is dealing with right now. And so that's the same message that I try to encourage this, you know, generation of young people that are dealing with the same thing that I was, you know, going through 10 years ago and things like the, like the JDRF cleats and the, um, the little girl, Ava, who, you know, had reached out and became a fan of mine just from seeing the cleats Mm -hmm. and she's a type one diabetic. It's, it's, it's small things like that that go a long way and make a big impact. And so that's just, that's just what I try to do. And, you know, I, I try to be cognizant of the fact that when I speak, a lot of people will listen and I try to make that a meaningful message that I share. Doesn't get any better now. No, it doesn't get any better now, bro. Yeah, maybe that's, that's why I saved that for last. Yeah, no, that's outstanding. That, that's really wonderful. Yeah, and, and um, you know, OJ has for a long, long time run a great uh, nonprofit to, to benefit young people. And, and I've been blessed to, to work in that space as well. So I, it means a lot to us to hear, um, you know, this generation of professional athletes talk about that, especially when it's so personal. If there's anything we can do, you know, I, if you're doing your fundraising efforts, I, I know on your podcast, or, or maybe it was with um, Travis, you talked about wanting to have a team in one of these walks. Yeah. And uh, so let us know so we yeah. can continue to, to support the great work that you're doing. For sure. I really appreciate that. Yeah, awesome. And we appreciate you, man. Absolutely, this was a lot man. of fun. You did not disappoint. 
Um, I, uh, it's a shameless plug. So, you know, we talk about learning in the podcast space. One of the things I learned is podcasters got to support each other. So you've on our show now. So we are available. You just check with Renzo. <laughs> that's right, that's right. We're available to come on. Absolutely. The podcast Absolutely. We, uh, we're getting into the interviewing game. We've had one set of interviews with some, with the two, two drafted long snappers and we're, we're looking forward to some more interviews coming up here soon. So we would definitely love to have y'all on the show at some point. You let sure. us know. You know, we don't, we won't uh, make it, make you say it twice. We promise you that. So no. We're going to be coming after you. We're going to go, hey, Blake, remember us? Yeah. Just say my name at the door. It was a lot of fun, man. And, and great luck this year. All right, man. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks for diving in, Blake. We appreciate you. You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth living, OJ, Juice Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. golf fans, number one, one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, dive up in that fish tank, go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank, it's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank, rocking with OJ and Seth when you dive up in that fish tank, Okay, this one for them diehards Celebrate big or cry hard Leave it all on the field, we gon' try hard Old school, a new school, mix it in Feeling like we up close when we listening Dolphins tales, in Miami is the deep end We vibing with our favorite players, no secret We get with Seth and McDuffie Bringing up stories we never heard to the public Bet we love it, Dolphins fans never budget We loyal to the team, whether happy or we upset We be like, what's next? Don't switch the subject You know it's all about them fans And if you ready for that water, time to dive in Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans And if you down with Dolphins Nation, time to dive in Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans You looking at that fish tank, it's time to dive, dive in fish tank Aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank Rapping with OJ and Seth, time to dive up in that fish tank Dolphins are at a token, time to dive up in that fish tank